And what I'm going to do, I'm going to spend the next three Sundays talking about the impossible when it comes to the supernatural. All right. And then in January, I'm going to talk three or four Sundays, uh, the same type of idea about the year of doing the impossible, but for your personal life. All right. And uh, I want to uh, really have you think about what's impossible for you that you would dream of doing, not what's impossible for the church or impossible for the world or not something that's impossible that somebody has to change for you to engage in the impossible, all right? And one thing that's impossible until it until it's becomes possible is salvation is impossible. You're sitting there, salvation's impossible. You don't even believe it. You don't believe in God, but something happens in a moment that you shift, recognize your need for a savior, And boom, all of a sudden it's possible, right? Speaking in tongues is that way. It's impossible until it's possible. Getting healed is that way. It's impossible. I've had this for for 14 years, this issue of blood. I've been this way for, I've been a captivity. I've been a slave for this long. It's impossible for me to be free until what? Until the moment it's no longer impossible. Everything that's not been done at the first time ever before, the first time it becomes possible, but it was impossible up until that point. Everything you've done in your life was impossible at one point. Walking was impossible. Every one of you in here was a huge failure for months trying to learn how to walk. None of you tried to go, I want to be able to roll over. But what did your parents do when you rolled over? When you go, oh, he rolled over. Oh, my gosh. Now we videotape and put it on TV like no kids ever rolled over in their life, right? But then you rolled over. But your job wasn't like, I want to learn how to roll over. It's like I'm trying to walk like I see everybody else walking, but it's impossible. And then you do what? You see, a kid sits up. Oh, my God. He sat up, and then he, then, then he crawls. It's like amazing, like a kid has never crawled in their life before, especially if you're grandparents. Right? It's like you forgot that you actually saw your kids crawl. But then when they start walking, they fell over and over and over and over again. But what we forget is all these things that were impossible. Hold on a second. I have technical difficulties. I'm just learning how to use my iPad here. I got to, it turns off on me. I'll, I'll fix that down the road. Okay, so the thing is, is that riding a bike was impossible. How many kids start riding a bike and they, I can't do it? And then the next year, the next season, they try it again. Sometimes they, they start riding their bike. And then it's like everybody can do the impossible because I did it. But what we forget is that, oh, we get a certain age. It's like, well, I don't want to try anything impossible. Why? Because it's impossible. It's not possible to do the impossible until it is possible. Nobody should ever have gone to the moon. It was impossible until it was possible. Nobody should be able to fly an airplane until it was possible. Now you can go and fly an airplane to Australia and you can buy a, you can sleep in a bed. They can, you can change into pajamas and sleep in a bed on the airplane and get served bottles of wine with silverware. I don't fly that class, but you can. So, but it's, that's impossible until it's not impossible. I want you to hear that, okay? Happiness, if you're, if you're depressed, if you're afraid, it's impossible for you not to be afraid in that situation until something happens. God does something, and then you're facing the giant, and you're no longer afraid. It's always that way. So as Christians, we have this whole story of the impossible virgin birth. It's impossible. It's impossible for a, a, a spirit, Holy Spirit, hover over a woman... And plant a Holy Spirit seed in a physical body 
and produce a savior until it is possible. So we all believe and we all equate our life with something that's impossible. We say my values, my character, my hope, my future, my eternal life is based on something that most people have thought over time was impossible, but we now believe it's possible, right? That's fascinating. Yet, when it comes to healing, we're like, oh, that's impossible. When it comes to deliverance, oh, that's impossible. That's not possible because we're not in control of it or we've never seen it happen. But we want to pursue things that are impossible and see them become possible. All right? And the number one reason we pursue impossible things is not to see them become possible. It's to see us become who we were created to be. Now, I want you to hear that. You, you pursue impossible things, and even if you don't get them, you become somebody who's pursuing the impossible. You become who you were created to be. So if you're, in, if you're in, a, in a situation that's always bad, always bad, always bad, and you're hoping, I hope the situation changes, it's impossible for me to like my job. It's impossible for me to get a raise. It's impossible for me to do better. You're speaking from your past experience. You're speaking from your old flesh. The thing is, is once you start saying, I'm going to pursue peace in this impossible thing, and peace is impossible, but I want the peace that passes all understanding. I've never had it in this situation, but once you start believing and pursuing it, you start experiencing it more and more and more and more. All right? So that's what we want to do. We want to become those people that can pursue the impossible. And think about this. If you made an impossible goal of I want to lose 50 pounds this, this, this next year in 2020, or I want to increase my salary by $12,000, all right? And that could be impossible. You've never, you've never experienced that. You've never seen that. You don't know anybody that's ever done that in one year. You're going to increase $1,000 every month. What happens is, is people around us start saying, that's not possible, right? This is what we do. They say, oh, I thought God said it was possible, but now Billy down the street says it's not possible. So I'm going to believe them instead of God. We do it all the time. We do it with healing. We have like, we like, oh, I think God, want, I think God has given me like anointing to like pray for people. And I think he's given me um, the capacity to believe for these things. And you start exercising that. You start trying it. You fell a couple times and you back up. Or somebody says, oh, well, healing ceased. And so now God heals through doctors or this and this or this. Or God does it all. You don't ever have to lay hands on anybody. And they start convincing us that what we were dreaming about that was possible it's still now impossible and how defeating is that when people if somebody if you said to your child 30 days into walking you're a big loser you never walk so just stop just crawl everywhere we would think that's child abuse right but we're abusing each other's impossible dreams and i'm not talking about an impossible dream like at 57 years old you're going to go play for the houston texans okay i'm going to go play football on sunday mornings with jj watt all right, we're not saying that kind of that that kind of almost obscene, ridiculous thing, but we're talking about equally ridiculous. And what happens when people want to increase their salary? They all they can think is, "I've never been able to increase my salary. I'm a slave to my employer. I'm a slave to my past. I'm a slave to my parents. Never had money, so I'll never have money." And when we start clarifying those things, we start hearing this voice tell us why these things are no longer aren't possible. But is what's possible? Based on what Jesus has done and what Jesus is doing in you, or is it based on your past? It's the first one. It's the first one, by the way. 
It's always Jesus. So we have to remember that. So think about reading. Reading was impossible until it wasn't possible. I didn't read till my second year of third grade. All right? I almost had a beard. No, I'm kidding. I didn't. Well, I didn't read till my second year of third grade. I would have been diagnosed as something if I was a kid, if I was 10 or 12 or 20 even. Now I would have been diagnosed with some sort of reading disability. But it was impossible what was also imp- what was really strange is my parents didn't know I didn't know how to read because I was in L.A. public schools, and I was a nice kid, so I kept getting promoted. But once you hit third grade, what happens? In third grade, you start having reading for history, don't you? And your science and your math even has now it has like you have to read for math problems. So I got exposed, but I was still making A's and B's. I got really good at cheating. I got really good because everybody wants to help you cheat if you're a nice guy, right? I mean, I, I, I couldn't even do, t- like, the 20 vocabulary words. They gave me 10, and I still, I didn't know how to read. So how would you want me to know a vocabulary word and a spelling word if I don't know how to read? Went to private school, L.A. area, and learned how to read, and, uh, but it was impossible. Super unsuccessful at school. Flunked third grade. My first day of kindergarten, I walk into, came home from kindergarten. My mom's like, how was it? I was like, I hated it. I'm not going back. My mom in first and second grade would push me on the bus, push me. I would have my hands here, my feet up here. I'd be off the ground, and my sister would be tugging me. My older sister would be tugging me to get on the bus. Second grade, there's a highway that goes through Agora, California. Here's Malibu Beach, Zuma Beach. There's, we lived here. There's a highway. It's, it's not 101. It's the one that goes. It's Ventura Highway. It's a big highway even back in the 60s and 70s. I left school during second and third grade every chance I got, and I started walking home. The furthest I got was to that freeway, and they caught me about halfway up the uh, chain link fence going over the, to trying to get to the walkway to cross the freeway. I was a bad student. I didn't like it socially. I didn't do well. I couldn't communicate well. I knew I was super dumb in school by third grade. You know that. You realize that. So that's my lot in life, all right, until it's not. It's till it's not. It's impossible for me to be a good student and be in school until it's possible. It's impossible for me not to be shy. It's, I was so shy. You've heard this. I took a guy on my first date with Cretia because I was so shy. I had the nerve to finally ask her out. Then I showed up with a guy, another guy, Dean. I mean, but, but you know, she overcame it because she got all this. So that's... So she's been blessed for 30, almost 34 years now because she was able to endure the contradiction of this guy's nuts, but he's super hot. So she chose super hot and, and had to deal with crazy. So think about it. It's all impossible for me to have a relationship with a person because I'm so shy until it's not impossible. I want you to hear that. So everything that you're telling yourself about what you don't get in 2020 or you don't get for me coming into the last season of my life, that's not true. Unless I keep telling myself it's true. It's impossible. Everything's impossible until it's not. And when we begin to move after the impossible things, think about everything you enjoyed this morning. Electricity, impossible. Always existed was always there. There's no more electricity now on the, in the world than there was a thousand years ago when, it, when everything was lit by fire. But fire was impossible till it's not. Electricity, impossible till it's not. 
The iPhone, impossible to tell it's not. Telephones, radio, everything impossible to tell it's not. Streaming video. Who would have thought you didn't have to go to Walgreens or Kroger's and rent this box that had a VCR in it on a Friday night? And then you'd have to go to, you'd have to, go to Walgreens to get your videos. You guys don't remember that. but And then it was like super exciting because you could go to like Netflix and you'd get like two DVDs sent to your door every month. And we had DVD players. It was all impossible till it's not. Now you can watch on your phone while eating a burger at McDonald's. And you can watch a movie or TV or live sports. It's all impossible till it's not. So when we think of autism, we, it's impossible for somebody to be healed from autism until it's not. So what will we do and pray towards in these areas that are impossible until we see them become possible? So what we're willing to do, we're willing to say that with a lot of hard work, with a lot of doing all the right things, with all the food and all nutrition, all the specialists, that this sickness or this disease or this autism or this mental illness will be manageable. We believe that, that it can be possible for them to have some sort of a life, but it's still impossible for them, for God to heal them. So we choose like, like that things are possible and things are impossible. We choose them all the time. So I'm suggesting that we start choosing to start praying those ridiculous things of the impossible. And I don't mean like I'm going to pray for everybody in Tomball to get saved, or everybody in Tomball to get healed. I mean something that I get to do that I can do. I'm the only one in charge of my finances. I'm the only one in charge of my weight. I'm the only one in charge of my spiritual life. Nobody else is. But as I start saying, I'm going to pray for a thousand people next year. I'm going to try to lay hands on a thousand people for physical healing next year. Or I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. What happens is you start saying, who do I have to become to do that? What kind of courage do I have to have? What kind of belief do I have to rise up? What do I have to do? When you start saying, I want to save money for retirement because I've not saved, it, saved any, what you start saying is, where can I cut? How do I live on a budget? Where, where do I go to learn something? And we begin to grow into that these things become more and more likely that they're possible. But we change. You will change. I will change. All the components for your iPhone have always existed. Not the screen, not the gorilla glass for your screen or not the bendable glass you're coming out of. That gorilla glass for the screen that make the iPhone possible came from Corning, who does all your Corning wear. They came up with this super strong glass um, that was unbreakable in certain situations. Of course, when it got in the iPhone, it got breakable, didn't it? Oh, my screen cracked. But it's gotten better and better. It always existed, and everything that it took to build every part has always existed. Nothing is in existence at all that's not already existed before. Everything that man's going to create in the next hundred years is already in existence here. They just have to put it together. They just have to think, oh, this could be possible. Car, driving a car could be possible. Everybody thought people driving cars was the, the, the dumbest thing in the world that horses would never be replaced. Really? You used to not be able to drive from the East Coast to the West Coast without... Without going, Route 66 through the south was all these different highways connected. You have to go here to here to here to here to here to here. And then they start putting in superhighways after World War II. We don't call them superhighways anymore, but they're, they're highways. They connect their interstate. We used to never have interstate highways. We never had connections. So all of those things that, uh, that were impossible become possible. And I want you to begin thinking about what do you want to pursue in 2020, a new year and a new decade? What do you want to pursue that's impossible for you right now? There's no way you can do it. Now, if you say, I want to get a new job, that's not impossible. 
If you want, what, what's impossible for you? It could, be, it could be spiritual. It could be, I want my marriage to be such and such, or I want to be so-and-so within my marriage. I want my ministry to do this. I want to see, I want to see people get healed from this thing that's been in my life a long time. And what's that impossible thing? It could be something simple as weight loss or finances. Because weight loss and finances also, once you begin to pursue that, you become somebody differently as a sp- spiritually. See, what we think is, is like, oh, God's just like in total control. I, there's nothing I do that will make a difference. How much does God hate that? A lot. That we say, oh, he, whatever he wants. But it's not true. He does, he's not saying, hey... I want you to be 50 pounds overweight. Hey, I want you to not know where your rent is coming from next month. He's not liking that. That's not the way he set it up to be. He set up to be partners with him. All right? So when we're looking in that direction, we're wanting some of that. And uh, so the question is about the ministry of Jesus. Are we to continue the ministry of Jesus? Which is an impossible thing, right? And who are we to say, I want to continue the ministry of Jesus? Who are we to say? Well, that's super arrogant. Well, it's super prideful for us to say, contradict something that Jesus himself says. So you just turn, I'm going to use three scriptures. I'm going to, you can just turn to John as, uh, I'm going to use John twice and a couple more times later on. So John 20, 21 to 23. John 20, 21 to 23, it's the new, the NIV. It says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. All right, so just turn to John 14, 12. So the whole thing about when we're, when we're pursuing the impossible dream, you can say, I want to pursue impossible dream of have a church of 500. You can have a church of 500 with almost zero impact in your city where you create a social club, you create a group of people together. Barna's research has showed over and over that large churches that, are, that, that they can exist and they're not making an impact on the drug use or the abuse or the crime at all in their neighborhood. The racism isn't dropping. What really makes a difference is people engaged in their workplaces, in their schools, in their families, taking care of one family, taking care of another family outside of the context of church. I'm all for church, so I'm glad you're here this morning. So John 14, 12, verily, very truly, I say to I tell you, 14, 12 through 14, whoever believes in me, raise your hand, I believe in him, will do works will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Dreaming an impossible dream is asking for something in his name, partly when we're talking about ministry. The thing is, is we dissect these two scriptures and we say, this is why none of this applies to us today. We believe in the virgin birth. We believe we're going to heaven, but we don't believe there's anything impossible in the in-between. There's impossible stuff in the in-between. For me, I sometimes feel that I'm living in an impossible dream. I mean, I had zero vision of being married or have kids. I had zero vision for my future in my life. I had, zero, I had zero vision. You don't drop out of high school with, with, and have a lot of vision. <laughs> you just get to work. 
You know what I mean? You just do the next thing that's in front of you. You just receive the minimum, uh, minimum wage, and then you receive 27 cents more, and you go to the next job. And then you receive a little bit more. It's a little bit easier. You go to the next job. And vision entails us going after impossible things. The greater, the greater confidence you have in a good father, the more you'll pursue impossible dreams for yourself and how your life represents around you. So don't have to go there, but Luke ten nine says, Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Think about that, jumping back to John 20. So the greater things is that, so I think, you know, and, and this gets goofy when pastors breathe in the microphone, like go, and they blow the Holy Spirit on people. But when we're speaking, we should be blowing the Holy Spirit on people. Like somebody comes and asks me for advice, and I'm sitting in front of them, and I'm thinking, what breath of God is going to come out of my mouth and impact them so much? Right then and there, having coffee at Starbucks, wherever you're at. And so I believe, we, we've got to start, we've got to go. That's an impossible experience that I would love to have happen. It's, it's, when, I, when I look at, when somebody comes to me and they're in deep shame and they're grief over their sin, and I'm like, be set free in Jesus' name. There's no reason for you to be ashamed. Your sin, your, your sin is gone. And I proclaim that. Boom, something's supposed to happen when I say that. I don't, say, I don't have to say, go to Jesus and ask him. I can say, Jesus has already said it. And I'm going to declare it over you right now. There's something more always that God is asking for us and wanting for us. So to answer the question, are we to continue the ministry of Jesus, what do you think the answer is? Yeah, it's not like maybe. It's yes. Each, is, each of us in our own style. Each of us in our own language. Each of us with our own personality. Each of us with our own tribe. We're, we're, we're meant to do that wherever we live, wherever we're at, to continue the ministry. So the ministry looks like, of course, the general things. Loving others, loving our enemy. Um, it looks like reading scripture. It looks like all of those things. But those aren't the impossible things. The impossible thing isn't to be faithful to church, to be faithful to financial giving, to be faithful to being in the word. Those are all, those are all things. They're not impossible. They're doable. The impossible things are love your enemies. The impossible things are doing the works that Jesus did. The impossible things are casting out demons. The impossible things are seeing people healed. The impossible things are mental illness disappearing from somebody's mind and way of thinking. That's the, that's the, that's the impossible things. For us to dream about that. What if our time was, dream, was, was set on those, those impossible things? So hopefully you're thinking about some impossible things for next year, right? So this is what you have to do. If, if something's been planted in your heart, you've got to jot it down. If three things are in your heart, you've got to jot it down. What's impo- some impossible things? We're going to be talking about this for six or seven weeks now. So what happens is, is we have to ask ourselves, why is our realm of what is possible so small? Why is our realm of what is so possible so small? Or another way to say that is when you hear an impossible dream, and it, it's, you, you hear it from your heart. And you're like, ooh, that would be, I would love to see that happen. What's your brain telling you as to why that can't happen? What is fear speaking to you, whispering to you of, oh, you shouldn't do that because you look ridiculous. If you, pay for, if you pray for 500 people, nobody gets healed. Everybody will know you're, 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 you're a false prophet or you're a false whatever. That you don't, your faith doesn't really, or God doesn't really heal. But instead we just begin stepping out. And we don't ignore those voices. That's why I left it as impossible dreams. Because once you say, I'm going to pursue something impossible next year, you give your brain a break. You're like, oh, it's impossible. It's impossible. But 
Now I'm going to like start walking towards the impossible. I'm going to start desiring the impossible. And I'm going to start having hope for who I become in the process of going towards the, the impossible. So who's telling you not to dream big? When you have a spark of what you think God is saying to you of what he wants you to do, but then you draw back, you can't believe the number of people that come to me that say less. God told me to write a book. And then three months later, we've talked. And they're like, well, I didn't do it. And they list out the reasons why they haven't. And then the next month, they list out the reasons why they haven't written that book. Then they list out the reasons why they haven't started that ministry. And what they're doing is they're saying, God told me, but here's the reasons why I'm being disobedient. But the thing is, is that that impossible dream, we, we, often, we often serve our anxiety and our fear and our, and our warped personality more than we serve his voice of what he's telling us to do and be. So we've got to like, we've got, and we don't ignore our, the warped voice or the corrupted voice of the old man. We just agree quickly with it. When it says, that's impossible, that's a dumb thing to do. You're like, it is impossible. And it's going to be amazing. And we just go on. We've got, we've got to like respond back in right ways. So who's telling you not to dream big? So a lot of people, when it comes to sign, I'm going to use, I'm going to healing, miraculous signs and wonders, amazing things that can happen or impossible things, right? We're going to put that in the impossible things category. So what happens is people say, well, there's false signs and wonders. Well, there's false prophets. Well, there's things that, you know, that we can get, we can get confused. All true. But this is the thing. You know, they've had this spinach recall, right? You go, is it spinach or is it romaine? Romaine. You notice they don't just say, we have to destroy all romaine, get it all out of the world because romaine is bad. What they're saying is there has been good romaine lettuce, and now there's bad romaine lettuce. But nobody's saying get rid of romaine forever and never eat it again, right? But we do that when it comes to signs and wonders. We're like, there's bad signs and wonders, and people manipulating, people walk in pride, and people use it for financial gain. So we need to get rid of all signs and wonders and not believe in any of them. It's like trying to get rid of all the romaine lettuce. It's like, it, this is what it's like. It's like, it's like cars, we have accidents and people die. And so we should get rid of cars, all of them. And we eliminate all the possibility of the greatness of what a car does or anything. But we do that when we do that with kingdom things, what we're saying is, I don't want to see the fullness of my salvation take place here on earth in and through me. So we really got to like think that through is where are we convincing ourselves that false prophets or false messiahs are coming. And, you, and don't go, go here, but this is in Mark 13. It's also, I believe, in Matthew. It says four false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Okay. And then 2 Thessalonians, it says, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. But then we eliminate all the signs and wonders that serve the truth. Does that make sense? And so we really have so we there's something set in us, a religious mindset that pushes us away from the impossible. It's like, look, here's religion. Stay in the religious box and you'll be totally fine. Kingdom living is like, here's religion and here's rebellion. And the 
Earth is the Lord's and the fullness of, of is the Lord's. Every, it's the Psalms. It's, everything else is God, is relationship with God. Here's religion and here's religion. They're right. The religion and, and, and religion and rebellion are right together. Here's sin and here's religion. And they're both equally as sinful. They're both equally as dark. They're both equally as captivating and, and enslaving. And we think, I'm going to jump from rebellion. I'm going to religion. I'll be safe. But you're not. You're still a captive. You still, but, but out here is all the possibilities. And what I'm saying is to get, get out of that chunk of like, I, I need to be afraid of, of signs and wonders. So when we, when we don't pursue or don't desire or don't seek to operate in spiritual gifts, what we're, because of counterfeits, what we're saying is I can hear Satan's voice more than I can hear God's voice. What we're saying is, is that I have more faith in the Satan's ability to talk to people through me than I have in God's ability to talk to people through me. Ouch, I know. I wish I could write that down, but I'll, I'll have to go back and listen to that. But that's like, wow, that's like so good. That's like, think about that. So we have to just like, we're not like, we're, we shouldn't be out waiting. We shouldn't be looking for counterfeits. We should just be so turned on relationally with the person that we're in love with and that's in love with us. When I was a teenager, my dad finally started going to church. I hadn't been, I, I, I didn't, it's, I have a whole long bad church history too. But at 13, my dad started going to church. I started going to church. And in a church of several hundred, my dad didn't have to say a word. If he just sneezed, I knew where my dad was. I knew my dad sneezed. Isn't that weird? Did any of you know you like your dad sneezed? Your dad's like, yeah, it's like I knew my dad sneezed. I knew it so well. No, nobody could tell me that's not my dad behind me over there. That's my dad. That's my dad. And so I think we just get so, we need to get so familiar with him. And that does come through church and podcast and Bible study and Bible reading. But it comes through actually intimate relationship of us being vulnerable to him. Saying, I, I want this healing, but I don't have it. Tell me why. What are you doing? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm at this spot. You said I was going to be at a better spot, but I'm not. Why not? And we ask him. We don't go around asking people why. And so the... Um, that thing, and then there's also in, in John four eight. So there's there's the false prophets, and then there's the um, uh, people with wrong motives, and so people use this scripture a lot. John four forty eight. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. We're not pursuing signs and wonders because so we will believe. We believe so we're seeing signs and wonders. Though if I'm in relationship with him, signs and wonders will follow. If I'm preaching. More than just intellectualism, if I'm preaching, then signs and wonders will follow. I think it's First First uh, Corinthians 12 that I don't come with persuasive words and a lot of fancy stuff, but I come in power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. We're seeking power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit, not just in Sunday morning, but through our relationships with people we have in our community and around us, okay? So, I'm going to have to skip a bunch of this. Next week, I'm going to talk about Almost all deep and pra- almost all deep and powerful breakthrough comes from impossible stuff. I shared that last February I walked into a service. It was a series of three or four days, and I was super irritated because I kept smelling the smell, and it was actually the smell of the presence of God. And I got totally spanked by God and um, to- totally taught a lesson. And the thing is, is that like tra- that's transformed like from that point there, that weird thing, that mystical thing, that supernatural thing transforms how I see and think of everything from here on out. So and our salvation is that way. It was it's an impossible thing that transforms our life. And I think we should be having a lot more uh, 
things like that. So I'll cover that. I'm going to go all the way down here to my conclusion. It says, um, so are we to continue the ministry of Jesus? Are signs and wonders part of the gospel? And the answer is absolutely yes. It says, by the, very, by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God, so from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that. Are we fully proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ if we're not pursuing impossible things? And the answer is no, we're not. And I, have been, I, I realized yesterday morning in prayer, I had a meeting, then I had breakfast, and I felt like the Lord say, you have only preached a part of the gospel. You've preached, study your Bible, have some good principles, get your mind together, and that's living out the gospel. It's not the fullness of the, It's part of the gospel. It's not the fullness of the gospel. Daniel, if you can come back up and, and play, I, I meant to ask you that. And because um, I want to I pray over us before we leave. And I also want to um, give Daniel a quick word. I don't know that it's a word, Daniel, but I'm going to give it to you anyways, okay? So what I did is, uh, what I did, so while you, while you were singing, I don't know how, how, how many of those words did you use today that were yours that weren't scripted in the song? Half or 40%. So what I, I know, I, I think when I uh, saw you, and Daniel's been here before with Mike Deegan years ago. We, he realized when he showed up here. But the thing is, is that um, I know, I, I think I asked you if you want to write music. And you said, yes, you're coming into that. And what I felt like the Lord like showing me is that you're actually not supposed to try to write music. You're actually just supposed to worship before him and, and as a good steward, tape everything that you use. And all your lyrics are going to come out of that. And they're going to be lyrics that are downloaded to you. <laughs> I don't know why I'm crying. <laughs> but it's like, it's like, it's like you won't, you're not, you're not going to have, you're not going to have to, it's not going to be like a hassle. Like, oh, I got to like write music. But you are going to set aside time. You are going to set aside time and be before the Lord. And it might be with a few other people too. But to trust for you to, for you to trust the Holy Spirit to open your mouth and the songs to come out of you. And then he's going to give you like, I don't know if it's going to be 60, 70, 80% of the whole song. But you're not going to know it's going to be some one day and some the next day. and one. But if you're, if, you're holding, if you're being a good steward, you're going to be taking all of that and you're going to be laying out before the Lord once it's given to you. And say, how does it all come together? And what's the stuff together? And the Lord might bring a partner with you to help with that. But if you will do that, how, when's your birthday? May 8th. So you're 26, you're going to be 27. Yeah, I felt like something like if you'll do that in the next three years till you're 30, that all your 30s, your, your next 10 years will be just totally different. And to just, and, and don't, and, and oh, another thing I, I almost forgot was like, don't, uh, don't judge anything you're writing down. Don't, just take everything. Don't allow yourself to judge it at all. And just assume, don't assume all of it's from God, but assume all of it's usable. And then it'll start shifting out and sifting, it'll start sifting out as to what your songs are to be. And then be willing to share those songs a lot. All right. Thank you. So. Thank you, Pastor.